Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 238, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain, people. Oh, there's so much to talk about. We'll get into the Mavs. We've got Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We haven't talked to him in like a month. He's going to jump on with us, get his thoughts on the Cowboys draft jerry jones car accident that was weird last night going around all kinds of stuff but before we get into any of that let's tell you about greening law and again as i say some of you are like oh yeah we know call greening law i'm telling you you say that and then you get in a car accident you're like oh my god greening law what's the number what's the number it's 972-934-8900 if it's a car accident if it's malpractice that you've experienced if you've been hurt on the premises of a business you need that number so that you can call Greening Law. They'll come in, and they are your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. No, and what they do is they walk you through what can be a complicated process. They'll ask you questions and tell you this is what you should be expecting. They'll give you answers to questions that you shouldn't know were even going to be asked. They take the worry, the anxiety, the pressure, the, the uh, discomfort out of the whole situation. And check this out now. It doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900, let the green team pick it up and say, hey, green team, here's my situation. What do you think? They'll say, hey, we want to bring you on as a client. Oh, I don't think it's quite a good fit. Good luck to you. But if they bring you on as a client, it's your lucky day because they'll grind for you. They don't collect any fees, nothing, unless you get paid. That's right. And as you mentioned, that call, that consultation, absolutely free. So give them a call. It's Greening Law, the green team. Let them go to work for you. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. All oh, these Dallas Mavs, these Dallas Mavs, they are down two games to none in their first round or their second round playoff series against the Phoenix Suns. It's not looking good because in, in it goes for both of them. Phoenix and Dallas so far are who we thought they were. As in Phoenix is a very, very good basketball team that can beat you in a variety of ways. And the Dallas Mavericks are Luka Doncic. <laughs> no, I think that's it, man. Now, you know, I'm not one to overreact good or bad on these things. 
Uh, I thought the Mavericks actually played a pretty good game last night. And just got just got wailed on in the fourth quarter. Gave up forty points. The defense disappeared as Chris Paul and Devin Booker took over. There's a reason why the Suns led the league, man, and wins. Mm-hmm. Why they were the best team in the NBA. Why where they went thirty two and nine home and away. Um, dude, they are they are they're tough. They are tough. And again, it's the same as game one. Right out of the gate, the Mavs at one point were down ten points. Right out of the gate. It's obvious it's Luka and his band of merrymen. Jalen Brunson that we saw against Utah does not exist. Spencer Dinwiddie that we've seen at points this season does not exist. They fought and they fought, and then early in the third quarter, they finally took a little bit of a lead, and then Phoenix turned it on. Phoenix outscored the Mavs in the second half of this thing by 22 points. I mean, just absolutely throttled their ass when the game was on the line. And the reality of it is, I mean, Kid talked about it, it can't just be Luka. We've all been screaming about this since he got on the team. Luka goes for 35-7-5. and five. The next closest Mav was Reggie Bullock, who had 16 points. Dinwiddie had 11. Dinwiddie and Brunson combined for 20 points. They combined 6 of 22 from the field. That's just not going to cut it against a team like Phoenix. No, I mean, we're talking about a team that pretty much, if you're talking about the Mavericks, we're talking about a team that pretty much has to play a perfect game to beat Phoenix, the way Phoenix is playing right now and the way they're constructed. It's not even a good matchup for them. See, Utah was a good matchup for the Mavericks. This team, I mean, I'm not sure Phoenix is a good matchup for anybody, but uh, they're certainly not a good matchup for the for the Mavericks because they got the best collection of wing defenders. Uh, they've, got, get, they've got a mid-range game. They've got a three-point game. They've got an inside game. They can play however you want to play. Uh, but the bottom line is, if we get to the bottom line, is you got to get much, much, much more from Dinwiddie and Brunson. Brunson. And here's the question, man. This is why I told you I, I absolutely wanted to have a second series, a bigger sample size. And what you're figuring out is, and it's not just like six games or five games or seven games determines what Jalen Brunson is, but when, you've, when you're figuring out how much to pay him, you can pay him whatever you want to, and I wanted him back, but you just want to know, is he a star is he a budding superstar? Is he a really good player? Because you got different expectations for all those types of guys. And, you know, really good players can score nine points. Stars, they're not really going to be less than, you know, their, their averages in the playoffs. Well, the reality of it is, is Phoenix has two superstars in Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and the Mavs just have one. Phoenix is a very, very good offensive team, as we know. Phoenix is a very, very good defensive team. Coming into this series, we knew Phoenix is a better team than the Mavs. I didn't know that they were this much better. I mean, they are whipping the Mavs' ass. And it's at times when they want to. And it was like this last night. It was like this in game one where it just feels like the Mavs are, are, are trying to keep pace and trying to keep their head above water. And then when Phoenix seizes the opportunity and recognizes it, they just destroy them and there's nothing the Mavs can do about it. No, that's what, I mean, that's what happens when you play a better team, bro. Um, again... If they can get some offense out of Brunson and Dinwiddie, those have, those have been the guys who provided offense in the regular season and in the first series. So that's why we well, that's why we say, hey, we need you to do it again if you're capable of doing it. And if you're not capable of doing it, now this is just your boy here. I'm cool with that. It just lets me know that you're at a certain level of player. And to take it to the next step, 
and really contend for a championship, you have to get another better player. And that was the whole thing about Brunson. And ain't nobody mad at Brunson. You're just trying to me. Nobody's mad. I'm not mad at Brunson. Let me talk for myself. I'm just trying to figure out where are you on the NBA landscape? Are you a budding star? Are you a budding superstar? Are you a budding really, really good player? Because there's room for all of those on my roster. I just need to know who you are and what you are. Well, you can't be this inconsistent in a playoff series and be a superstar or a budding superstar. It's one thing to do it against a Utah team who doesn't play good defense. We were all aware of that. We knew the Mavs perimeter attack would be much more successful against Utah. But the reality of when you look at Brunson in the first two games, and again, it's just the two-game sample size, but when you look at what he has been so far in this series, he maybe you can still put him on the budding star level. I don't know. But superstar, no. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy right now that is, what, 9 of 28 is shooting about 30, 32% for the series in two games. That, that just doesn't get it done. No, but I mean, I think we were, I mean, I was trying to figure out what he was because he looked like a, a budding superstar against Jazz. And so, you know, and this is all, the reason why I'm curious and we got to figure this out is he's a free agent at the end of the year. You know, are you going to pay the, are you going to pay him $32 million a year? Are you going to pay him $25 million a year? What are you going to pay him? Because that's where your expectations go. And you want a guy to fit, you want it to fit right. Like you don't want to pay a guy superstar money and superstar expectations when you know that's not what he is. Because that, you know, it's just, it doesn't help your cap. It doesn't help your team. Everything gets out of whack when you do that. Yeah, and reality of it is, though, is somebody out there is going to pay him. The Mavs oh, have yeah. to decide, you know, do you want Brunson back? Because if you want Brunson back and you feel like he's a vital part of the future, you're not going to have a choice because somebody else is going to set the market for you. It just yeah. becomes of do we match this because we have to have this player. And that's a great question because I ain't interested in letting Brunson go. But damn, I'm, you know, <laughs> how much I got to pay him and how does that – help or prevent me from adding somebody else later now let me ask you this do you think you can add a second because what you need is a star it doesn't have to be a superstar but you, you need a star can you add a star through free agency if you're the mavericks i don't know if you can or not i, I, I again and we have to keep in mind tim hardaway jr was supposed to be that guy i mean they, they spent money extending him and bringing him back in the offseason, and he was their big free agent signing. Then he broke his foot, and he hadn't played since I, I forget even when it was. You know, and you, you have to ask yourself, is Hardaway the guy that you thought he was going to be? And if he truly is, then do you let Brunson walk? I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces here. At times, this has looked really, really good with Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Luka, but I don't think that Brunson or Dinwiddie is that second guy, and, and I don't think Hardaway Jr. is either. Okay, good. I was going to say, I love you, bro, but Tim Hardaway ain't no star. He's a really good player. Right, but they paid him to – it's kind of like Kristaps, you know. They paid him and they took a chance that he was going to be that number two guy. He wasn't. So they've, they've invested in Tim Hardaway Jr., who's making a ridiculous amount of money for, to me, the level of player that he is. But at some point in – I don't know how they do this because it's obvious that you're not at the level of some of the high-level teams, you know, probably not even Golden State in a series – most likely not Milwaukee, obviously not Phoenix. You know, could you hang with the Miami or Philadelphia? I, I don't know. 
Luca is so freaking good that he's taking you to this point, but he, you got to find him somebody. Somebody who can consistently have a higher floor than the floor that Jalen Brunson has. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's the way to go. The problem is those guys are, are incredibly hard right. to find. I mean, you almost have to draft them. I mean, you know, Brunson was a draft pick yep. who worked out. It was a great pick. Um, they've got to figure out how to, how to draft more guys who can play because most of the best free agents don't get loose in the league. Yeah, and that's and the thing, they, you know, going into this offseason, that was all the thing about Bradley Beal because he's going to be a free agent. I think he's got a player option. You know, would he pick that up? Who knows? But if he's out there, Bradley Beal, who is still on the right side of 30, would cost you a fortune. But would you rather have Bradley Beal or Jalen Brunson if you have to pay both right around the same? If you can figure out how you could even create that type of money for a guy right. like a Bradley Beal. I don't know. Those are those are those are good problems to have, but they're still problems that you got to that you got to find solutions to, because um, you know it's it doesn't look. Well, let me put it like this: If Phoenix is your championship barometer, then now you know how far away you are. Like yeah. you know, you've made some really good moves. You made a lot of really good progress. You've done a lot of really good things. There's nobody who'll be mad at the end of this season, but now. The, just like this year, now the real expectations start, you know, which is how do you make the team better and build off this year where you got to the second round by getting to the conference finals next year? Yeah, and that's what it has to be. And, and, and we've kind of talked about this before. I mean, the NBA, really more so than any other league, it feels like, is one of those leagues that you've got to prove yourself that nobody just shows up and magically makes the NBA finals. No. You know, like generally speaking, teams go through – some sort of growing and understanding of losing at least a couple of years in the playoffs before like even the Warriors before they went on that string and won whatever it was but before they won their first title you know they had still gone to the playoffs two years in a row and I think they lost if I remember right the second round the first time and the first round the next year you know you got to get a little playoff seasoning and learn how to win and now that the Mavs have gotten out of the first round three straight years in a row you're in the playoffs with Luka Next year, you're right. I think all the expectations are there of, okay, you can be one of the top four teams in the West. And if you can do that, how do we participate in being one of the top four teams in the NBA, which gives you a shot at being in the finals and winning a championship? Yeah. How do you get up? How do you, how do you, how do you move to the next level? How do you do it? Uh, some of it can be from self-improvement. Guys just get better. Uh, but normally, dude, you got to add somebody, man. And that's the trick. How do you add a high-level caliber player who complements Luka's game? Because yep. everybody don't complement his game. No, not at all. And that's what's going to be wild about this, that you can fit in, that you can figure out the money on. And, and again, if you're doing that, then chances are that means you're probably walking away from Jalen Brunson. Yeah, and I ain't no big fan of that. So it's, uh, you know. You know, like, like for instance, what if, what if the Jazz break up this year and there was a way to get Rudy Gobert? All right. You know, would we be in for that? He's still, I think he's 29, 30 years old, and you're talking about a team, if you're going to be more focused on defense, doesn't get much better at defending than Rudy Gobert, but is he the missing offensive piece that you feel like you would need? See, that's no. where all these questions are going to get really interesting. And no, they've got to, I mean, they, they just, I don't know. they got to figure that out. It's like, like Giannis, it's not like, like, I mean, do we consider Chris Middleton a superstar? I don't know. No, we don't. Okay, so paid. then 
So then if that's the case, then Giannis is basically in Milwaukee year in and year out, putting his team with an opportunity to do things, and it's basically him. But they do have some high-level players like Chris Middleton, like a Drew Holiday, or even like a Bobby Portis or somebody that's a, a significant part of what they do. So you don't have to have the two superstars, but you have to have somebody who can consistently give you more than what Brunson has shown he can consistently give you. Yeah, or you've got to have three guys like Brunson, you know what I mean, uh, where they can they can kind of move around and, and, and fill in the gaps when on a day where one of them is not hidden. But that's what you get when you got really good players and not stars or superstars riding with a guy like Luka. I still have the belief that the Mavs are going to get a game. I, I, I think they'll win. I, I, I mean, obviously, if they don't win game three on Friday night, the whole thing is over. You got to know that there's that little bit of sense of desperation, but I, I thought this might go seven. I, I think the Suns might win this in five. Oh, yeah, I think so. I'm just hoping I'm, they don't get swept. <laughs> well, I think they, uh, I mean, they'll come out and typically you, th- you, th- you think and you hope your role players will start uh, off better and play better at home, and that'll help you get, help you get a game. And then maybe you can be buoyed by that confidence and go get another one. Um, at some point, but uh, it's going to be hard, man. The Suns are a good team. They're playing with a lot of confidence. They're playing like uh, they got something to prove after last year in uh, getting to the finals and losing, and it's uh, it's going to be tough, dog. Just to get one will be tough. Yeah, they really have an air of I won't be denied. And you know what? Another thing I thought last night watching the game, it feels like it gets to points in the game that Luka just doesn't believe he can give it to anybody else. Like, there are times where he goes down that in the regular season he would make passes, and in that game last night watching it sometimes, he would take a shot, and it just it, it almost feels like, okay, nobody else has it. Nobody else is going to score. I've got to do all of this. And you don't want that happening either, and it, it feels like sometimes during these games he gets – it's a frustration thing of, well, I guess it's one on five now. Yeah, it's, um, it's hero ball. You know, it happens when you're the best player. And you're trying to get everybody to ride along with you. Terrell Owens used to talk about it all the time. Let me help the team. Give me the ball. Let me help a win. I can do it all. And the reality is you can't. You got to trust those guys. And he's done it before. But I, I get it all, man. This is what happens, man, when you're on your championship journey and you're learning what guys can do um, and what guys can't do. Yeah, and then, again, the problem is, like, when he's giving it up and he's making these passes early in the game, these dudes are missing wide-open shots. By the time the second half comes around, his usage, and he's put so much into it in the first half trying to create for everybody else that he, it's almost like as the games wear on, he looks at it and goes, well, you, I, I gave you this pass twice already in the game in the same spot and you missed it. I'm not doing it a third time. I got to figure this out. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some of that, but the, the flip side is that's not the way you can play. You have to trust those guys because the only way you can win is if those guys play better. And they haven't been. And here they are in a 2-0 hole after getting their ass kicked in the fourth quarter last night. And hopefully they can avoid a 3-0 hole. If they go down 3-0, they'll get swept. It's done. Yeah, I think win game game three, maybe you can get it to a game. Obviously, you'll get it to a game five. Lose tomorrow night, and this thing will not last into next week. And that'll be disappointing, but it's reality. Phoenix is a better team. Phoenix is going to win this series. Welcome to it. Yeah, I think so. One thing that might make you feel better is if you open your mouth, put a little biltong in there. Ooh. Little bruise biltong for you, man. B R U S B I L T O N G dot com. 
BrewsBiltong.com makes for a phenomenal snack. Especially like after a workout, if you, for those of you that work out or, you know, you're sitting at your desk, maybe you're, you're in the office working at home or whatever, and everybody kind of has that like that little doldrum of the day in the mid-afternoon and you, you get a little hungry. Biltong is a phenomenal snack for that. It's low calorie, it's super high protein, no sugar, no artificial ingredients, and it's really damn good. It tastes freaking awesome. Yeah, it does, man. The thing about it is, it's not it's it's a South African dried meat. It's not what you think when you think beef jerky or beef jerky type meat. What this is, man, is tender. It's kind of succulent. It's got a little juiciness to it. It's amazing, really, man. I rock with the sliced biltong. Kind of melts in your mouth. 40, I'm sorry, 30 grams of protein, 240 calories. Perfect snack, meal of the day. You know. You need to get some. It you is. You need to eat it. You should try it. And you get to try it for 15% off. Or if you have been ordering it, every time you order, use the promo code JAM15. J-A-M-15. When you use that promo code at checkout, you get 15% off your order. Whether it's your first time to try it or your 100th time and you're a regular orderer like me, you will love Bruce Biltong. So check them out at BruceBiltong.com. Also, of course, JR and his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop, you were saying last time we talked about him that your kid's uh, Dodge Challenger was over there and JR was doing some work on that. All of your cars that you've ever had have been over there at some point. Why? Because JR is the mechanic you can trust who does the work he says he's going to do for you. Well, I had the Honda over there get an oil change this morning. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's, dude. That's real talk. Uh, getting oh, an oil awesome. change this morning and I had another car getting an inspection. So I keep JR in business, keep the kids well-fed and clothed over there. Uh, but I do it because you can trust them, man. I rolled in for an oil change unannounced this morning at about 8.15. And I was out the door at about 8.52. Uh, got a synthetic oil change, so it's a little bit more. But, hey, dog, service was great. Everything was good. And this, hey, this is one of the things I love about JR, man. There ain't no upsell, dog. Hey, your air freshener, your air, your air filter's out. Looks kind of dirty. Can I get you one of these? How about some wipers? Yeah. Nah, man. If it, if it needs to be replaced, he'll come say, hey, it needs to be replaced. If it doesn't, they ain't wasting your time, bro. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, go go to Freeway Tire, man. Spend all your money with JR. You'll, you'll, this is the only time you feel good about spending. <laughs> it's Freeway Tire Shop. It's in Dallas, right? Just north of downtown Dallas. Very, very easy to get to. You can request a quote, schedule an appointment online at freewaytireshop.com. So we take this quick trip around the block here. And as we record this, it is Cinco de Mayo. You a Cinco de Mayo fan? You like a big margarita? Maybe a Mexican lager? Cerveza, por favor. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it. It's all good. But, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't li- I don't look for Cinco de Mayo as an excuse to have a margarita. Well, yeah, see, that's what I think is interesting because a lot of people forget Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. That's in September. And it feels like a lot of people, the gringos of the world, celebrate this as though it's like some big deal, like a Mexican independence. It's actually the celebration of a victory they had in the Battle of Puebla in the 1860s in the French War that they had. And it's funny because... It's, it's almost in a sense like kind of what the Alamo was like for the Texas independence fight that we had against Mexico. It was a battle in which they had a victory 
And it was a, a small, like poorly equipped group of Mexicans that fought in the Mexican army going up against a much better equipped, much larger French force. They ultimately ended up defeating the Mexican army in the second battle of Puebla and ended up occupying Mexico City. But the original battle is the one that we kind of, in a sense, remember every Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to remember much to, to qualify for a margarita, man, especially if they're using that ups, upscale tequila. But uh, I'm glad you pointed that out. I don't remember a lot of that from my Texas history days with Mr. Crowley in the seventh grade over there, <laughs> Oliver Wendell Holmes. Nobody does. Like, everybody forgets that it's not Mexican Independence Day. That is in September. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things... I think more so it's become a day that you kind of think about maybe Mexican heritage, Mexican culture. And honestly, I, it feels like it's just one of those days that people now use as, a, okay, cool, I can go drinking. It's okay. Everybody's drinking. Dude, we don't, we don't need much of an excuse to do that. But yeah, that falls right in the, hey, I'll have a margarita wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like St. Patrick's Day. Like all of a sudden, everybody's Irish. And it's like, all right, it's just an excuse to go crazy. Perfect. Yes, perfect. Cinco de Mayo is much like that. But what is your favorite Mexican dish? Oh, you know what, man? I'm really, uh, I'm really fairly basic. Um, let me rock with the Bistec tacos, which okay. is really some, some sliced beef tacos. Yeah. Um, very good, very tender, a little cilantro, a little, little uh, onion on it. I'm good to go. You can never go wrong with the sizzling plate of fajitas. Um, I think that's that's yeah. good. I'm not I'm not much into the whole enchilada thing because I don't like all those sauces. Really? And hmm. nah, man, I'm not a. Uh, I like a good enchilada. I'm not a big sauce guy, and every time I order something like that, I say, "Hey, put the sauce on the side," and they look at me like I'm funny. Um, okay. But I'm I'm pretty basic, man. You know what I love though? I mean, you asked me my favorite Mexican dish, yeah. so I just gave you a couple. But I'm really into tacos these days. It's hard. Javi, to, tacos are the best. How you want to do a taco, man? Yeah. And now that I'm into this deal where I just like, you know, I mean, it's just whatever, man. It's I'm into this, I'm in this deal where there's so many really great local restaurants in Dallas. I just refuse to, for the most part, go to any chains. And so I've just been going to hole in the wall taco places, man, for about the last three months. If I want a taco, I just get on DoorDash just so I can find a spot or I yeah. Google some spot tacos near me. And I just go there, man. Me and my son been trying to go to lunch or dinner on a regular basis just to have some father-son time. And I'm like, dude, if, if I go Mexican barbecue or something else, and whenever he says Mexican, I go, I'm going to find us a new taco spot we've never been to. Let's just check it out. Yeah, I, I love tacos is hands down. Like, I feel like I could eat tacos every single day and be totally fine with that. And there's, there's such a variety of, like, even, like, Mexican street tacos, which are fantastic, or, you know, more of, like, the crafty arts kind of tacos and whatnot. And there's so many different ways you can have tacos. But, I mean, it is hard to beat good tacos. Bro, and there's so many places that make good tacos yeah. these days. Uh, but just to tell you my love for tacos, man, I had homemade salmon tacos for breakfast this morning. Look at you with your little taco. For breakfast. I don't have a little taco, man. You don't have a little taco? No, big tacos only, man. Okay, big tacos only. Soft shells or uh, hard shells for you? See, I, I'm either. I mean, I, I can go, it, honestly, I, I really can do either. I mean, I prefer, depending on the taco, I would prefer a crunchy shell. But if I'm doing a Mexican street taco, then I want the soft corn tortilla. 
And I don't even right. mind a little a little bit of the flour tortilla from time to time. I mean, I, I like tortillas. Yeah, I like them too. Matter of fact, I have a special brand of tortillas that I prefer over others. Really? I like the Marquez tortillas. Interesting. Yeah, hey, who knew, bro? Now, I tend to get mission tortillas, and this is, uh, this is a great story. So this is years ago. I mean, years ago. This probably would have been 15 years ago, I bet. I'm going to a Dallas Stars game. And I'm walking up and I had, you know, I think we had ordered tickets and we we're going to pick them up at Will Call or whatever. And this guy, he goes, hey, excuse me. And I was like, yes. He goes, are you going to the Stars game? And I said, yes, I was going to the Stars game. He goes, well, how would you like some really good? And I'm sitting here going, oh, this is like, what are we doing here? And the guy, it ends up, he goes, hey, I have these really good tickets. And they were crazy, phenomenal lower bow tickets, like really good, just a few rows off the ice. And I go, well, I, like, what's the catch? And he goes, there's no catch. And I can't remember his name, but he goes, I'm with Mission Tortillas, Mission Foods. <laughs> and he said, all I want in exchange for giving you these tickets is you just eat Mission Tortillas for the rest of your life. And I was like, cool, sounds good, man. <laughs> and, she, you know, and it's, it's weird because I'm like, there's no way. And we go, and, of course, they end up being great seats. They were, at the time, the best seats I'd ever sat in for a Stars game. And I've never forgotten that. You know, they're headquartered in Irving, Mission Foods that make Mission Tortillas. So, right, right, right. I don't, I, I just, I was like, I wonder if this dude is just, do they have season tickets or whatever? And he just goes and gives away a pair to some <laughs> random people every game? Maybe so, man. Maybe so. How about that? Yeah, weird ass story. And that's true. And again, well, I you will, couldn't make that story up. No, I mean, and I will never forget that. I mean, how could I? So every time I go to buy tortillas, I'm like, well, I feel like I have to get mission tortillas. <laughs> I don't want to piss off that one guy who would have no idea if I'm ordering them now or not. Dude, that's why. Now, mission was my go-to until I can't remember how I ran into Marquez, but I ran into him at some point, and they were tasty. And you can't find them everywhere. Uh, not that they're, like, hard to find. Yeah. But you can't find them everywhere. That's my tortilla of choice, and usually I pick up two when I get them because – I tend to eat, uh, I don't, you know, I don't eat them a lot, but I eat them frequently. And so I hate to get to the, I hate to ever be in a position where I'm down to my last one and you can only have one tortilla for breakfast or lunch or whatever. So I always buy them two, two bags at a time. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to bring up on this, and I will say, I will say, the tortilla thing, just real quick here. If you ever have a chance to have fresh, handmade tortillas, they're phenomenal. And see, that's kind of what these are. There's close to, because I think there's a local person in local place in Dallas that makes them. I don't know. They just feel a little fresher, a little homier than 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 the others. Even though I was a mission guy until I found these. Well, they used to make them. That old restaurant Don Pablo's used to make them fresh in house, and now Rose's Cafe makes them fresh. Dude, dude, and when they're fresh I, like that, they're phenomenal. I just I drove past a Rose's Cafe in the Bishop Arts District the other day. And I said, you know what? I don't know when I'm going there, but I've heard so much about it over the years that I'm going there one day. You need to do it. I'm a big Roses I fan. I'm a big I, Roses I don't, fan. I don't know when, but I, I, uh, but I, I don't know. I've always heard about it, but there's never felt like They're there's good. never been one close. But now that there's one in Bishop Arts District that's not too far away, so I'm going to go by there at some point. Yeah, and if you go, I, I, obviously on Taco Tuesday, they have a taco deal on their taco plate, and it's great. You, like, I would get three crunchy tacos. It comes with rice and beans. You can get some fresh-made tortillas thrown on there as well. And then they have this little bar you can go, and you can pick jalapenos, what kind of salsas you want, all kinds of different things. 
Now, I'm, I love Rose's Cafe. I miss it. Obviously, they don't have that in Alabama. There needs to be something like that here. Man. Bro, maybe get a franchise. Maybe I should. I should be like, hey, bring the Rosas Cafe. Yeah. You know? Let's do it. Make it happen. All right. Before we get into our conversation with Chill, I have to bring this up here. And we'll, we can talk about this quickly because I don't even know what the hell to make of this. You sent me, <laughs> you sent me this weird article. This is it's from PC Magazine. A device that lets you enjoy your favorite flavors without the calories that apparently it, it's some sort of thing that mimics flavors and you lick it and it tricks you into thinking that you're enjoying these flavors when really it's nothing. <laughs> All I could think of was fat people around the world rejoice. Dude, and I'm going to be honest with you, it looks, I, I'm just being honest. Yeah. It looks like a weird dildo with diamonds on it. <laughs> it does. It just look, and then you're just licking it. It's so bizarre looking, man. Dude, now, now mom can't listen to this episode. <laughs> uh, I mean, ne- look. Neither, neither can your lady friends, mom. They are all banned from this episode. But man, like the, and there's a little video with it. And the one where the guy like holds it up to his mouth. I'm like, what are we doing with this thing? God. And it comes, it, it, it's ions that move in an electric current. So when the device is applied to the tongue with no voltage, users experience all five tastes that we're able to taste apparent, apparently. And then when voltage is added, like through these little things, the gadget can suppress certain tastes to lead you to believe that you're eating or tasting a salty thing or a sweet thing when it, it's nothing. <laughs> And so you got to look at it. I, I, I would have never came up with that description of it, but now that you say, I, I kind of feel you on it. And all I could think of was, yeah, I, I, see that. I got a taste for this, and you just stick your tongue on that, and it, uh, you know, removes your, your need for that taste. Yeah. And, and you're all good. Well, I mean, the reality of it is because, like, in the picture, it looks really big. But then, like, in the actual use of it in the video, you can see in it, it looks about as big as a roll of Mentos or something. Oh, okay. Like a small vibrator. That's what I said with diamonds on it. <laughs> with color-coded rubies and diamonds and whatnot that you can lick that taste like something. <laughs> it's, it's weird, man. Uh, it hey, is. Man, we, we've tried everything to lose weight, dog. This is just the next thing. Yeah, this is next. <laughs> this is next. So enjoy that. Everybody will have fun with that one. I know you look forward to the stories I send you. I do, very much so, because there's weird-ass <laughs> ones like that that nobody would have saw coming, ever. Lick this. It's like something you'd see on, on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like, Willy Wonka would have made that. It's bizarre, dude. Hell yeah. So it is time. I haven't talked to him in a while, but we will welcome in, you know, longtime Cowboys beat writer with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence E. Hill Jr. joining us here now. And, and chill... The NFL draft has come and gone. We'll kind of go through the whole thing, but what was your impression on round one with the surprising pick to a lot of people of Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Tulsa? You know, and, that, and I think that's that's a great way to put it. Surprising to a lot of people, not surprising to the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> and if you you look at you know how they had their board set up, this is a guy they like. You know, he's a 16th rated player on their board. Uh, and I would say this that. I've been covering the draft since, you know, 1996, 97. He may have been the most impressive young man to come in and, and have a 
interview after the draft. I mean, uh, he, he certainly won the opening press conference uh, with his personality, with uh, his comfort, with his ease. You're talking about a guy who was a two-star recruit out of North Crowley who went to Tulsa, offensive lineman at Tulsa, probably had one guy covering him, never been in a major press conference, never probably seen that many cameras. And he was just, just most impressive at ease, cracking jokes, but he, he has a story, he has a journey, somebody that's, that's going to be easy to root for. But beyond that, you know, that, that feel good stuff, I mean, you see the makings of, of a guy with, with a huge upside, a lot of potential, big 6'5", 24-pound offensive lineman, you know, whose best years are ahead of him. He's only played four full seasons of offensive line in his life. And, yes, he has some issues with technique. He needs to be coached up. But the things that he has, you can't coach as far as size and strength. One thing the Cowboys, you know, we all talked about their a lack of size and strength in the middle of that offensive line with, with Connor Williams. One thing that Connor Williams, you know, he had holding penalties because he was got run over. He wasn't strong. You know, you know, people talk about, well, this guy had penalties in college. That was more because he didn't understand how to use his technique. It's not because he got run over. So, uh, I think it's a solid pick. You know, other teams wanted him. He was if the Cowboys wouldn't have picked him, he would have gone off the board quickly. And you look at some other guys the way they had their board set up, you know, was not what we thought of who they should have taken. You know, he was the right guy to take at that point. Well that leads to this question, because Stephen Jones kinda of threw this out there. I mean, we we he's the right guy. He better be your starting left guard because you gotta win now with this core that you got that's getting older. No, there's no question about that. And it was surprising that the Steve just didn't want to put that much pressure on him. But he's going to start out of left guard. You know, and, and, and you know, they've always said he has, he's going to be our future left tackle. But he's going to start out at left guard. And why shouldn't he beat Al Conor McGovern? You know, there, there's no question he should beat Al Conor McGovern. Just, you know, they, they, you know, obviously, again, we're talking about a guy who's inexperienced on the offensive line, period. He needs to be coached up. But, I mean, I think it's a guy who will take the coaching. And, and get that done. They just didn't want to put it out there. But you don't pick a guy at 24 and the 16th on your board and not expect him to come in and be a walking starter. Yeah, I mean, they gave Larry Allen number. They they expect a little something out of him. Oh, they, yeah. And again, we was here when Larry showed up. We didn't know he was going to be Larry Allen. Let's be honest. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right, right. <laughs> <What> <laughs> he hey, played man. all over the office line. I, I remember Reggie White tossed you. you yes, know? sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so, you, you don't you don't know, but he was a second round pick and from a small school who was a big bully, you know. And and, and this guy's you know got some of that same makeup, but but you know it, it's a great story. I mean, I'm just you know, and as we journalists, we root for stories. We like stories. I mean, here's a guy who had. It was so severely bow-legged growing up. Big boy. I always been a big boy. So severely bow-legged growing up that he had both of his legs broken and reset after between his junior and senior years in high school. Both legs broken and reset because he was so severely bow-legged. And he still, you know, got a scholarship to us and still become – I mean, this tells you the work ethic, tells you the type of talent and skills he has, athleticism he has, that he, you know, came off of having both his legs broken in, you know, and, and reset as a junior in high school to get a college scholarship, start for two years, and become a first-round draft pick. When you look elsewhere in the draft, it, the story and all that with, with Tyler Smith, like you're talking about, Chill, being a local kid is cool, but 
I, I liked a lot what they did in the second and third rounds. And Jacques and I talked about this, going out and getting a guy who has explosive type speed off the edge in Sam Williams from Ole Miss. And then a guy who can really stretch the field. And I know he's a small college guy from South Alabama and Jalen Tolbert, but if you're going to play at that level, dominate that level. And, and he dominated that level with 18 yards on average per catch. They really had to like what they were able to get on day two. There's no question about that. I mean, Cam Williams probably been the first round pick, if not for the off the field concerns. But here's a guy that that tore it up in the SEC, you know, set up an old Miss stack record. If you look at it on tape, some of the top guys from Alabama and all these top offensive linemen, he he won against them. He won against Evan. He won against a lot of those guys in, in the SEC. So he's going to come in and have an instant impact in that pass rotation to replace Randy Gregory. And you look at that rotation. You know, with the kid from from uh, Atlanta in in, in the uh, in the uh, in free agency and Dorrance Armstrong and Sam Williams, and I and and, you, and all you lost was Randy Gregory, who has that career high six sacks. The Cowboys may be in better shape going forward if if, if it's 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 at, at push at least, and they may be in better shape going forward. You know, based on you know, all the the rigmarole that we had after losing Randy Gregory, and, and certainly it's a disappointment when you lose a guy that you want to keep, but. After the draft, they've rebounded nicely uh, as far as the pass rush uh, is concerned uh, with what they have put in place uh, after losing Randy Gregory. And you're right about the receiver from, uh, from South Alabama. I think he certainly is a Gallup starter kid. Gallup was a small school kid, too. So was Cedric Wilson. And, and this guy is a, is a big receiver you know, who can stretch the field, make acrobatic plays down the field. You know, he, he's, he's a Gallup clone, and I, I think he's going to walk in and be better than James Washington. I think he's going to be certainly in your top three receivers uh, to start the season. And when Gallup comes back, I think he's going to be one of the top three receivers on the team in front of James Washington. Shoot, you might be better than James Washington, dog. <laughs> uh, my, my, my hammies my, my won't let me be great. My age, my age and my hammies won't let me be great. <laughs> All right. But are they a better team? See, they still don't seem to me like they're a better team than the one that 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 uh, whose season ended in January against San Francisco. Well, on paper, they're not because they're not better offensively. I mean, you're not better w- without Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. I'm sorry, you're not. You know, and and whatever you thought about Amari Cooper, whatever you thought about his contract, you know, his contract is not a big deal anymore. If you look at the way the contract has jumped <laughs> in the NFL, I mean, his contract was not out of whack. You know, and 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 so they're not a better offense. You know, certainly you're counting, and I, I don't know that there'll be a better offensive line. You hope they will, you know, but you're still talking about a rookie on the come and, and, and Terrence Steele and, and, and Tyra Smith who may not play a full season. You don't have a, a proven swing tackle that's going to supplant him, you know, when he does miss games. And he's missed games ever since 2015. You know, what, what makes this, what's going to be different this year? Uh, you're hoping a full offseason from Dak Prescott is going to make him better. You know, he's going to be on the same page with receivers. But, again, you're betting on the come. With, with all of this, you're you're, you're hoping uh, for things. You know, there's there's too many unknowns that you're banking on to say this is a better team. It, it, it may be a push at best. Now, Jerry said, could they be better at the end of the season? That's a possibility. But we're going into camp to start the season. No, they're not a better football team for sure. Yeah, it's interesting when when you look at it in. On paper, sure, they're not better. And, and they talk, oh, we didn't have needs, we didn't have must. But you look at the way that they drafted, and, you know, obviously, as we talked about, Tyler Smith is probably starting day one. You know, Sam Williams and Tolbert are going to get all kinds of opportunities. And it really feels like even on day three, 
you know, the tight end Jake Ferguson, you would expect is a guy who can come in and if nothing else, at least serve as a blocking tight end for you while he kind of adjusts to the NFL level. And it feels like a lot of these guys are going to have opportunities to make an impact, even the day three guys. Oh, there's no question. And, and Clark may end up being the best pick of all. You know, here's a guy, all-SEC linebacker out of uh, out of uh, LSU, who only dropped to the fifth round, third round grade, dropped to the fifth round because he had neck injury and had neck surgery. But you look at his size, performance, profile at LSU, and you combine what he's going to bring. And he's going to play. They're expecting to play this year. You know, obviously going to start camp on putt, but they're expecting to play this year. And you, you combine what he has to what you have with Michael Parsons. That's one thing they did. I think that they – Jerry, you know, had too much dip on the chip by saying we had just as good a draft this year as we did last year. But what they did was they complimented what they did last year. They complimented Michael with Sam Williams. They complimented Michael – you know, with the linebacker from LSU and even the linebacker from Oklahoma State, they, they, they're certainly very athletic at the linebacker to play around Micah to where you don't have to pigeonhole Micah and say, we have, we, we, we got to hold the defensive end, we got to make him edge rusher. You know, no, Sam Williams helps you there, so we don't have to use him solely as edge. You're going to use Micah's edge rusher just because, you know, Micah's your best pass rusher on the team, but you can also use him as a blitzer. You can also use him, you know, mugging the A-gap. You can also use him going side on the side, playing middle linebacker because you have these other players who can do some of those things that give you more depth at the position. And we haven't even talked about Cox last year. You know, last time we saw him, he was running down Daniel Jones and making a play at the goal line. You know, that shows his speed athleticism. You know, remember, everybody was excited about him, how they got such a talent in the fourth round. And, and his the speed athleticism at linebacker with Cox, uh, with Clark, with Micah, you know, with, with the kids from, from Oklahoma State, you know, they're going to be athletic from years to come right there. They're all going to help Michael be a better player. And that's how you can be a better football team, still a better defense. How can Michael build on his fantastic rookie season? I think that's the deal. And I think that was, to me, the importance of uh, Dan Quinn coming back, giving Mike at least a second year in the scheme. Because to me, the best thing that they did was a game plan for him the way they game plan for offensive players to take advantage of mismatches. And I hope that we'll see even more of that this year to really let him take advantage of his skill set. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, again, Dan Quinn coming back, him and Michael Parsons in the second year, and add these guys around them. You know, that's a positive. My only thing about the defense is that we – I don't know how much of a jump they can make because you still don't have – you know, most of the great defenses have difference makers on every level. Right now, the Cowboys don't really have a difference maker on the defensive line. Well, we thought Demarcus Lawrence was that guy. Well, he was that guy. Is he that guy the last couple of years? Has, has his well, profile that's what I mean. that? Yeah, he was supposed to be that guy. Is that guy the last couple of years? You know, who, who do you know? They don't. They, they, they don't have that guy yet. Can Demarcus get back to being that? You know, that's what I hope he looks to be in great shape. And here's the guy who's going to have a you know healthy offseason for the first time without any surgeries, going to the season for the first time in a long time. You know, uh, you hopefully he can get back to double digit sack Demarcus Lawrence. And of course, everybody was facts on that big of a deal. That's why he got paid. He didn't get paid because he stopped the run. He didn't get paid because, you know, his heart and soul. He got paid because he got the damn quarterback. He had double digits back. Yeah, and he cut yes, off sir. his hair, so maybe hopefully he didn't lose his powers. 
I saw that pick. He looks good, man. I was like, hell yeah. Uh, he, he he looks like he looks like he's in like crazy good shape, Demarcus Lawrence. No, he, he looks great, he looks slim and trim, and you know he, he does look like he's in great shape and motivated. Demarcus Lawrence would, would only help the Cowboys defense, but but yeah, you need you need you know difference makers on every level, you know. And you know we love Dan Quinn, but when Dan Quinn was great, was in Seattle, and Seattle had more than one Michael Parsons. They had two great linebackers, had two or three guys that he was lying. They had a two all-pro safeties and an all-pro cornerback. I'd be a damn good defense coordinator too if I had all that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, we got to ask because I saw you were one of the first people that were on this last night, uh, the Jerry Jones car accident, because Jacques and I haven't talked about that yet, but it, is this just like a, a nothingness fender bender? He got banged up a little, went to the hospital, all is well? Yeah, all is well. It was a fender bender, but it was Jerry Jones, and certainly got banged up, and they took him to uh, the hospital for for precautionary reasons. But you know, talking to Stephen last night, he was at home resting comfortably. You know, it, you know, again, it was all about precautionary reasons. You know, it, the, the biggest story out of all of this is that everybody is blowing up. What is Jerry Jones doing on Harry Hines? If you know what Harry Hines, <laughs> come on, come on, what people. That that part of Harry Hines. That's is what not I said. Downtown. God. He was down there by the AC on Harry Hines. Harry Hines oh. cool. That's down in by AC. It's not that, oh. that dirty part of Harry Hines. No. <laughs> oh. I said the same thing. I saw that and I was like, that's nowhere near where you pick up hookers. I mean, that's what I heard anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, I don't yeah, know for a fact. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going crazy with this. Like, no, he was way up here by the AC. No, that wasn't part of Harry Hines. That, that he was on. <laughs> I thought more like more interesting was he driving himself or whoever drives him around got in a wreck. You know that's what, we haven't seen the police report yet. And I've been we started having sent us that because uh, that's the question. Well, Jerry drives himself. I've seen him drive himself. You know, so he he doesn't always have a driver. Wow. You know, you, you might think he does, but I mean, he's day seventy nine. You still drive? I'm sure he can, but when you're rich like that, I thought you always had a guy who just drove you around. You're always working on something. You don't have something. Sometimes well, you want to do your dirt by your lonely. I guess. Well, see, I didn't say it was dirt. Sometimes you just want to drive yourself. That's all I just Sometimes you want to drive yourself. <laughs> and, you know, dirt can be any number of things. It doesn't have to be something, <laughs> something dirty or something nasty. It could just be, I want to go pick up a Mother's Day gift for my wife by myself. I don't want the kids that, giving it away. That, that, that ain't dirt. Well, you dirt, know what dirt. I mean. I mean, you just need some alone time, man, to do your dirt. By. All I know is you do your dirt by your lonely. You ain't got to worry about nobody telling on you unless you get the Do you remember the time he got caught in prosper by the um, bottle of uh, champagne and wine at the Seven Eleven? Yeah, he yeah. was driving by himself. Okay, <laughs> right, doing his dirt by his lonely. Two years ago, he didn't have a driver then. He was coming out of the Seven Eleven somewhere for a bottle of wine. He was driving by himself. <laughs> Not, yeah. not, he, he drives by himself sometimes. Yes. Yeah, so maybe, maybe they maybe after the send the money, he may not anymore. But but this time we're doing. The thing about it, let's be honest, it's a thankless job being Jerry's bodyguard and driver. No doubt. But I'm just telling you because you up all night, up all morning. The dude never sleeps. The dude, you know, can, I mean, it's I'm just, I've seen him. You know, Roosevelt is a new guy. I mean, you you got it ain't no schedule. You gotta be on call twenty four seven. Yes, ain't no, ain't no nine to five, eight to ten, whatever. It's 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 it's, it's all day, whenever. Well, Jerry likes to party. Can't blame him. 
Well, just for his quality of life, sometimes Jerry drives himself. How about that? Okay. That's, you know, I was just curious about that because when I saw that, I was like, man, I didn't know they let old people drive around like that. He's hey, 79. Where'd you get old? Yeah, that ain't that old, though. <laughs> He's 79. Uh, you know, I don't there know. There are people much older. I'm telling you, you see, this problem with the young people. You think, you think, you think 50's old, don't you? No, I don't think fifty yeah. is old. No, so you know, yeah, he, he, gonna talk, he gonna talk. He gonna talk about their mama driving now. No, I, I, <laughs> no, no. I, I just say anything. You know, when you get past life expectancy, you're starting to feel like okay. You know, you got the life expectancy to who? For just general people. I mean, it's like seventy, whatever it is, seventy-seven, really? seventy-eight. Jesus no. ain't put a finger on it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Only Jesus can so tell you, you about life expectancy. You're supposed to stop driving. No, I'm yeah. no, I'm just saying if you're that rich, you know, I, I, I thought he always had a driver, that's all. But you also made it an age thing too. I'm just telling you, as as, as we as I tip closer to sixty, I'm fifty seven. Sixty you know, dog, you ain't you you just a hiccup away from seventy, dog. <laughs> and then I can't drive anymore going to Matt. Hey man, but it's six <laughs> But it's sixty. At sixty-two, you can get that social security check. God. And I'm getting mine early in case I die. I want all my money. So, uh, before we let you go, nah, nah, nah. Before we go, we had another question for you off topic. Uh, what do you think about the the NIL since y'all lost the player to Nebraska because y'all y'all could not bid Nebraska? I think that as as we continue to navigate that situation. Nebraska didn't pay more money. I think that he, he whatever reason he wanted to first start outside of Gary Patterson, outside of Austin, outside of Texas, uh, just from, from talking to people that we did not, Texas did not get outbid. They they yeah. did not get outbid. And, and when Texas wants somebody, they were, it's like, they, you know, they, they just paid for this Alabama receiver to transfer in. And then uh, their top receiver was getting overtures from Oklahoma, from USC. And they upped his NIL. They got the money to up NIL to do what they need to do. All right. But what do you think about the NIL? Is it, is it good for college football? You know, I don't it, – it, it's hard because it is the Wild Wild West. It's, part of it is just new. It's like it's like free agency. And you're not used to that for college football for the so-called amateur athletes. But it's time. Why are we getting mad when players are finally using the same market system that coaches use to get paid? <laughs> That's what I said. I mean, coaches coaches have been using and you know uh, trading schools and and for for the highest bidder to get paid for years, and now that the, it's happening for players, everybody's getting mad. What's well, the worst thing? Well, it's this free market. It's, it's what's happening, you know, and they're making everything legal and and it's for kids to finally get paid for the banging on their bodies in college football because the pros are not promised. I don't care how five-star, all-American, it don't mean that you're going to get the riches of the pros. And, and, and what they're sacrificing now takes a toll on your body for years to come. So, you know, get paid. More power to them. It's certainly, you know, disappointing, you know, for, for fans of certain schools who lose players. And, you know, and, and you know you have one good year here, and then you, you jump to the high school and jump to the next school. And, and, and so it's something that we have to find a way to get used to and, and, and navigate. But, you know, and I, I know that, you know, just from reading some of the stories that, that schools and presidents are trying to go to Congress to, 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 to pass a bill to, to uh, try to control it. But 
NCAA has no power in this, and they, they, there's no more control. And I, I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, you no. can't. So you know, just the problem is the kids are thinking that there's so many kids in the portal that that some people are gonna get left without a home. Yeah, that's true. They 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 need to fix something with that. And really, what I think they should do is. You know, just make it to where the scholarship, the scholarship limit is 85 and you can give as many new scholarships as you need to to fill your roster as long as you don't go over 85. Because a lot of this yeah. is, you know, navigating the transfer portal and some of these teams that are short because there's a 25 limit, like new player limit every year. It's just they need to do some of those things and maybe put windows on the transfer portal. But NIL, is not, it's not going away. I mean, yeah, one thing they probably should do is that 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 you only get one free transfer without sitting out. Yeah. So now you can transfer and play immediately. You only get one of them. You can't you can't go from Texas to Oklahoma one year and then Oklahoma to USC the next year for more, just because you got a better offer and, and, and play immediately. I think if, if you know, somehow you got to, you know, because that's where you got to cut it out. Yeah, there's some things they're learning, and then they're going to have to figure it out. But it, it's only—I I think it's just snowballing towards something else. It's—it's—it can't go backwards. It's not going to. So. That's no, why. but you know what? I—I I know one thing. You know, they better you know take advantage of the UIL of the, the NIL at Texas because they're not getting drafted. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> there it is. Take advantage of it at Texas because you won't get drafted. Take advantage of it at A and M because you're not ever going to win anything. So that's great. <laughs> that's from 1939. There it is. All right, Clarence Whoa. Jr. One As last shot. Hey, you got to get the shot in. Appreciate it, Chill. All right, man. Thank you, guys. All right, there he is. Oh, as we continue, always good talking to Chill, man. Let's tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions. Again, this is one of those things that sometimes you don't even realize it, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, there's a crack, and you try to open your bedroom door, and you're like, that's weird. I don't remember being not able to get out of my room yesterday. The door is sticking. That is your house, like, screaming at you, hey, guess what, guy? We have a foundation issue. We might have a problem. So then here's what you do. Write this number down, 817-770-0174. HFX Foundation Solutions. Give Aaron a call. His guys, it's local, it's family-owned. They've been doing this for years. They do all over DFW. They will come out for a free, no-obligation inspection just to make sure, just to find out what's going on. And all you need to do is give Aaron and his team over there at HFX an opportunity to do that at your crib, your house, your dwelling, your place of love and happiness. That's right. So that you can have peace of mind, man. Don't worry about if you see a crack up in the wall that you haven't seen before. Hey, call Aaron. Say, hey, what is this? I'll tell you, he'll tell you, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. But if they do find something, pretty good chance they caught it early. Fraction of the cost to fix it early than it is late. But give Aaron and HFX a call so they can give you peace of mind, people. Yeah, really, that's what it is. I mean, chances are you're going to get, he'll send you a letter. Hey, nothing's wrong. We came, checked it out. You're good. But again, think of this, especially with your foundation, getting out ahead of that can save you thousands of dollars in potential damages down the road. They also do gutter installations. They'll take care of the drainage on your property and just make sure all that stuff is up to where it needs to be. 817-770-0174. It's HFX Foundation Solutions online at hfxfoundation.com. So we were talking about NIL with Chill and... 
this is a fascinating conversation. It's something that I talk about a lot being in the heart bed of, of college football. But NIL, for those who don't know, is name image likeness. And this is something that really the, the cat was completely let out of the bag, oh, I guess a year ago or whenever that was, with the Alston ruling, where the Supreme Court held up a district ruling from a lower court that the NCAA was limiting basically limiting the ability of players to make money off their name, image, or likeness and compensation. And it was a completely unanimous decision, by the way, by the Supreme Court. Nine to nothing. I mean, we're talking about one of the most divided Supreme Courts of all time came together and 100% agreed moving forward that NCAA, what the hell are you doing? Like, you can't do this anymore. And so that has opened the door for all of this NIL wheeling and dealing across all sorts of levels of college football, mainly with the big schools at the Power Five. We've seen it. There's a five-star recruit who's going to go to Tennessee in the next cycle. He has been promised $8 million in NIL over the course of his collegiate career. A&M just signed the best recruiting class in history, eight five-stars, never been done in one class before. They got NILs. It's confirmed from a collective that they use called called The Fund, which has admitted to multiple people that report on this type of thing that their class, some of the kids in their classes are making in the millions. I mean, it's just, this is what it, Texas pay, you can go to Texas if you're an offensive lineman, doesn't matter if you ever step on the field. Go to Texas as an offensive lineman, $50,000 immediately. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Chill just sent me a text mm-hmm. that uh, B. John Robinson has a, a NIL agreement with a Lamborghini company, yeah. and that's what he's tooling around campus in. And, uh, you know, I ain't mad at him for that. And so, no, nah, man, that's just the way college football is these days. And it's probably different for me because I'm a Buckeye, and we're one of the big boys. And so, you know, they've already got their their deal up and running because or, – or they're putting it together. Because next year they'll be paying everybody else like 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 all the other programs are, and I don't have a problem with it. Uh, my man Matt Berry uh, used to work at NBC Five. Nice big wig, big deal at um, Sports Center, ESPN. Yeah. At Sports Center, he does college football. Uh, he's really good at that too. Um, but you know, he put out a tweet the other other sometime in the last week that was like, you know. You wanted to let them transfer, and you let them transfer. You wanted to pay them. Now you pay them, and now college football is a mess. It's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, no, it's not. Ask Jamison Wilson, Jamison Williamson, if the, if the whole transfer thing's a bad deal. Yeah. You know, ask Joe, Joe, uh, our quarterback. Joe Burrow. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Ask him if that's a bad deal. It's not, bro. Are there some kids in the transfer portal who said, oh, shit. I fucked up. Yep. Sure are. Guess what, bro? It's part of life, dog. Yeah. I mean, I make decisions every month. I'm a grown-ass man. I make them every month, and I go, well, I blew that one. (laughs) Hope the next one's better. It's just learning, bro. And sometimes you learn, you get popped upside the head, and you're like, damn, that was a hard lesson to learn right there. But you got to learn it and keep on moving. So I got no problem with it, man. Yeah, my thing is there's there's so many different angles on this. One of them is I've never understood why it's just athletes. How come nobody is up in arms that music students that are going to school and getting college education and are on a music scholarship can also go on the weekend and pursue their music career at bars around town and get paid for that? 
Nobody ever has ever been, nobody cares a rat's ass about any of that. Doesn't bother them at all. How nope. come nobody cares that a coach can go into a recruit's living room, promise I'm going to take care of you, I'm here for you, and then by the time that recruit, who's already signed a letter and is stuck on campus, that coach has said, deuces, I'm out because I saw a better opportunity for myself, I'm taking it. That's been happening forever. Nobody ever had a problem with that. But now when it's the athletes, and, and keep in mind, these are young adults. These are 18-plus-year-old men. Now when somebody goes to them and says, hey, you can transfer if you don't like the situation you're in, and you can try and better your life the way that thousands of coaches have been doing for years, or you can make some money pursuing your passion in college the way that literally every other type of student on the freaking campus outside of being an athlete has been able to do for years. Now we have a problem with this. Yeah, man, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, to me, it's always just been purely about control. Mm -hmm. You know, coaches and administrators, they want to be able to control you. If you don't have any money or you can't transfer or I control your transfer, hey, McLaren, I don't like your attitude. You can only transfer to schools in the WAC or the Mid-American Conference. Yeah, but I got talent to play. Nope, I'm only letting you play at those schools. So suck it, suck it if you don't like it. You know, all that stuff, man, all of that was all about control. Well, now they're losing control, and so they're up in arms about it. Um, but I think it's fine. And I also think it's fine like this. And this is all part of life. Hey, Spencer Rattler, you made $2.5 million last year because you were the quarterback at OU, uh, thought you were going to be a top-10 draft pick, thought you were going to win the Heisman. Hey, bro, you ain't do none of that. Uh, maybe you make... 20,000 this year, 10,000, 5,000, all those deals go away because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't play well enough, just like any other deal, man. Yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting. And, and there's so many different things. I mean, think of the Marcus Latimers of the world or the Jake Butts, for those of you who remember the Michigan tight end, uh, Jalen Smith to some degree. Jalen Smith. You know, you can even look at a guy in this year's draft, Justin Ross, the wide receiver from Clemson, who a year ago would have been a first-round pick, then gets injured. Now he doesn't even get drafted. He may never play in the league. You know, he could make millions on NIL deals in college. There's no guarantee that for anybody that this is going to turn out. I don't know why. And this is what basically the Supreme Court was. When the Supreme Court ruled against the NCAA in the Alston case, it was an antitrust case, and again, it was a unanimous 9-0 ruling in which they literally looked at the NCAA and told them, you are not above the law. That they had, been, <laughs> they had been taking advantage in any other world, in any other realm, people would be like, what the hell? You can't do this. You can't make millions and millions and millions of dollars off these guys, and then all of a sudden, they get none of it. What are we doing? Dude, that's just, that's just how it is, man. And that's what that's what people were cool with, and they're like, "You y'all have lost your mind, man. It ain't going down like that." And so, to me, it's a um, it's just it's just to me it's great, man. For guys who can help their families, for guys who can help themselves, and yes, there's going to be some unfair stuff about it. And you know, bro, uh, you had that kid from Miami basketball team was like, "Hey, if my my deal doesn't get upped, I'm gonna jump in the transfer portal yeah. and leave." And it's like, dude, you're an asshole. Nobody's, nobody wants you if that's your attitude because you'll get to my place and it's clear that you only care about money, not the deal that you signed or anything else. And so, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't ride like that, dog. So, no, nah, I don't want you playing on my club. 
Well, maybe, um, but I mean, again, coaches do this. I mean, Mel Tucker or even Jimbo Fisher getting an extension at A at A and M because there was a thought that oh my God, they're going to leave us and go to LSU because there's some interest in that. And what do agents do? Agents float this crap. Jimmy Sexton's notorious for doing this. Well, my client, you know, we, we might be interested in whatever. <laughs> and that school runs, oh, no, 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 don't leave. We'll get, here's more, here's more, here's more. So now well, players have the power to do that. You know what my bottom line of it was, man? To somebody whining, maybe it was Matt Berry. <laughs> it probably was. He's been all about this. My whole point was, hey, Doug, if you're a school or a university, you can pay a kid. Or you cannot pay a kid. That's your choice. Pay him, don't pay him. That's your choice. And then just ride with whatever decision you make. Kids can ask for whatever. I want $2 million a year. I want $10 million a year. I want $20 million. It doesn't matter. Nobody has to pay it. You can only get paid what there's a market to pay, bro. That's all you can get paid for, man. Yeah. Whatever the market is. That's what you can get paid. And if somebody, if the market, if you can command this in the market, well, by God, go, go, hey, dog, go do your thing. And the reality of it is, like, this is not going away. Like, Greg Sankey and George Klyovkov, the commissioners of the SEC and the Pac-12, went to Washington, D.C. today to have meetings with senators to ask Congress to help find a way to regulate this. The problem becomes, as, like, McCann, Michael McCann, who does sports law for Sportico, he put out an article on this, and it basically said, you know, the reality of it is, if the NCAA does try to put in a new policy restricting NIL collectives, that would trigger an, an immediate lawsuit alleging antitrust violations, creating a legal quagmire for years. That, that basically, this is, this is done. You cannot go backwards. And what's happening is, in a lot of states, it is illegal for schools to directly pay kids for play. So what's happening is these third-party collectives are bumping up. A&M has one. Texas has a couple. Florida just opened a huge one. Tennessee's got like eight of them. And that's why they're all of a sudden Tennessee is getting all these names. And what's happening is boosters are putting money where they used to give money to the school or the athletic department. Now they're giving millions of dollars to these third-party collectives. And the third-party collectives then can approach recruits and say, hey, you know, come play over here at Tennessee and we've got all these NIL deals that we'll have lined up for you and here's the money that we can offer you. So technically, it's not the school that's doing it. Technically. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. The, it's, it's murky waters, but technically it's a third-party collective and the Athletic did a story on this a couple of weeks ago and they had one of the guys that does these, he's a lawyer that does contracts for one of these collectives. He said, I'd love somebody to take me to court on this. There's no language anywhere in any of my contracts that's illegal. And there's no language in any of my contracts that makes this kid come to this school. It's just kind of understood. If you want the money this school offers you, while it's not in the contract you're signing, you have to go here. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, pretty basic. It's wild. Man. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. No, it's um, and again, man, I. I don't have a problem with it. I think players have been taking advantage for far too long. Um, this is a chance for, for them to help their families in a lot of cases, man. Um, and so to me, it's, it's terrific. But I think, I think people lose sight of it in the sense that, you know, just because you sign guys to NIL deals doesn't mean you get your money's worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whether it's Spencer Rattler or whether it's somebody else who doesn't work out. There's no guarantees, and so you can invest all this money in guys and be like, damn, 
we just wasted that money because that cat can't even play. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the reality of what it is. But again, think of it like this, like, so like a music label, like a record company, they go out and they yeah. sign 30 acts. They sign a bunch of acts. They're hoping that one of those acts turns into the next Rolling Stones or whatever it is, the next big time thing. And if that one act out of the 30 turns into that, well, then out of all the stuff that comes from that, it helps to pay for the other 30 they took a chance on. No, you're, you're absolutely right, right about that. And that's kind of where all this is headed. Now, I will say the one thing that I'm very curious about, and I actually talked about this today, is if, if it's heading in the direction of where, at what point, and I don't know if you remember 2014, 2015, a group of Northwestern football players tried to form a union. And the, the regional Chicago part of the National Labor Relations Board agreed with them, but it got shot down at a national level. And there's a lot of thought out there now, what happens if a group of players tries that again? Because you look at it and you say, these are basically employees, especially as the money gets to a certain part. Like, if, like Oklahoma and Barry Switzer. If Barry Switzer has formed this thing and is telling, hey, play at Oklahoma, you're guaranteed 40 grand through, through my nonprofit then at right. some point you can make the case those are employees. If they become employees, they can unionize. And if they unionize, then all of a sudden they've got some power to tell the schools, we want to collect a bargaining agreement or we're not going to play. We're not. Then you have strikes, you have lockouts, what have you, like we see in these professional sports. And then I wonder, are we headed towards something like that to where all of a sudden these kids go, I don't want to go to college. And it becomes, until the NFL changes it, they can't go to the NFL. Because the NFL CBA, you have to be three years removed from high school. So right. are, are we creating right now, are we seeing the early stages of a creation of essentially a minor league NFL? Woo! How about that? Um, I mean, you've kind of already got that. I think what's really going to happen is that, um, and, and Gene Smith, the athletic director of Ohio State, talked about it the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. That you know you, you're just gonna have the the power five schools break off and do their own thing, because you know the smaller schools, you know whatever recruits they were going to get, they can't compete with paying guys five million, two million, one million dollars a year. I mean, I mean it's just a different game, right. and so they're going to have to uh, back off and you know just deal with there's a there's a separation between the big boys and everybody else yeah and then i i kind of wondered like like you're talking about with these big boys like what's to stop alabama like if these kids go hey some of them do want to go to school because they know they're not going to play pro what if some of them go no i like i can't go to the nfl so i have to go to college but i don't want to go to class so we're going to break away form this union and what's to stop alabama from saying okay we're going to have these kids and they don't need to go to class because this is our marketing arm this is they like instead of sending out a street team and buying billboards to market our, our university, our football team is our marketing. Yeah. And we'll I pay you that. like employees. And that's what it becomes. And I mean, I think we're heading towards that because we're not going backwards. This whole thing of amateur the way it used to be, that is never happening again. Nope, 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 nope. Guys, have, guys have tasted it and it's uh, it's never going backward. Uh, but I think it's good. I think. um Change is never easy for the people who have to give up power and control uh, because normally it's in their favor. That's why they ain't trying to give up power and control. So whatever has to happen to make it better for the, for the, for the players and the athletes and the students, hey, man, I'm all down for that because there's a lot of cats, um, you know, who don't play in the NFL for whatever reason, 
And this would be a chance to make some life-changing money just just like anybody else, man. Uh, my dude played soccer uh, for one year, and football for one year with this kid named Jordan. Well, Jordan got into acting, and he's been on several local commercials. Yeah. And um, he's going to school. I think he's going to Morehouse. But what do you think he's going to do while he's in Morehouse, dog? He's going to act. Yeah. Because that's what he's been doing. And guess what? I'm sure he's going to get paid for doing some commercials while he's in college. And nobody will give it two glances. I know. That's the whole thing, man. It, it's, it, and the, the thing of it is, like, he might get, what if he gets in a big national commercial and he gets paid a ton of money for doing it? Well, if he was yep. an athlete, they'd be like, in the old days, they'd be like, well, nope, can't go to school anymore. <laughs> but only if you were an athlete. Yeah, bro. I've all, that that has blown my mind since I was in college. I thought that was asinine. That's because it is, it, it, and they and that's what the Supreme Court said. The Supreme Court looked at it and goes, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> literally, in their ruling, they literally looked at the NCAA. It's in the ruling. You are not above the law. And now yeah. it's out, and it's not going back. And this is what it is. But NIL is very interesting. We're in the early. It is the Wild West. Because we're in the early phase of trying to figure out what's the market settle at, you know, where, what to expect, what's known, how do we navigate these waters. And, and it, it's the beginnings of what this is going to look like 10 years from now. And it's going to be a trip, man. It's going to be because it's going to be way different than what it was 10 years ago. I'll tell you that. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.